using the Pew Bibles in front of you. Um, that's on page 807. Please listen carefully, for this is the Word of God. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Merry Christmas. It's good to see you. Um, last week, our children's ministry pastor, Joseph Kim, um, gave us a very fine message. And if you did not hear that message, I encourage you to listen to it, especially if you're going through something difficult in your life. And it was on this passage. And as I listened to that passage, I thought, this is such a good message and about do not fear. And um, I actually was thinking, which passage am I going to preach on out of, out of, out of the Christmas text? And, I, was, and I, I, I thought, hey, I've never preached on this one. And um, I thought I wanted to do a deeper dive. Um, and asked this question, how is it that Joseph could look at something that would look like his life is over, <laughs> his life is being wrecked, and respond and overcome fear with faith? So that's, that's, that's I thought, I'd like to just go a little deeper into that. How was it that he could do this and out of this passage? And uh, this, most of you, if you grew up in, in the church, or even if you did not grow up in the church, you heard this story. This is a famous, famous story. And, but something about American culture and church life has taken the story and turned it into a cute story. It's a very nice story. There's a guy named Joseph, and he's engaged this woman Mary, and they're so famous now, but they weren't famous then. <laughs> they're just, he's just some guy. <laughs> he's not even, um, today he's a famous guy, and our pastor has named after him. <laughs> you know, his name is Joseph. I was thinking, last time I was thinking, Joe is named after Joseph. We have our other Joe, you know, in our church. There's a lot of Joes in the, in the church. There are people who aren't even Christians, and they say, I'm going to name my kid Joseph, and they're naming him probably after this Joseph or the other one. 
And, um, but if you actually see the story right here, this is the beginning of the New Testament. It's not a good story. <laughs> it's a really, so um, it's a cute story, Joseph, but he's a poor person. <laughs> he is a guy who works with his hand. He's a carpenter. And he's a poor carpenter. You don't know it from this passage, but in, in the Gospel of Luke, you, you know this part of the story. He and his bride, Mary, she, she looks like this, you know, third trimester. <laughs> She's about to give a baby. And you know he's poor because he can't get a room anywhere in a crowded town. And his wife has to give birth in a stable. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If my wife had to give birth to our son, Hudson, in a stable, <laughs> that might have been the end of our marriage, right? <laughs> and, and even if it wasn't the end of my marriage because my wife is such a good person, she's a wonderful, holy wife, <laughs> I would hate myself being a horrible, like, lowly man. That's how poor Joseph is. And if you know the story, I, I want you to just stop trying to think about this as a Sunday school story, American mythology. That's kind of what, how we look at this story. It's American churchianity, not real Christianity, a kind of like covered up story of churchianity of American mythology. It's a nice, cute story. It's not a nice, cute story. Put yourself in Joseph's place. Your betrothed, that's the word that the Bible uses, betrothed. Um, it would be bad <laughs> in America today. You know, I, get on, I, I literally got on my knee. I, 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 I proposed to my um, then-girlfriend, Grace, and she became my fiance. I gave her a ring. It had a diamond on it. You know, it wasn't the most expensive diamond because, you know, I'm a pastor. <laughs> but it was a lot of money for me. <laughs> And, and then it takes some time before you get to be, before the marriage happens. So our, our engagement was very fast. It was about only three months. But most people, they take six months or a year. And how would you like to go a year into that engagement? And then um, your girlfriend, who is now your fiance, goes, um, I, I, I'm pregnant. <laughs> um. That would be a really, really bad day. That's not just a bad day. <laughs> um, you know, you, you don't usually propose to a woman unless you really, really love her. I mean, she's the one. She is the one. <laughs> and so if she is pregnant before, you know, it, you've been with her, you're, you're, you know, you, your words start coming into your mind, and it's like a word that rhymes with which but starts with a B. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And you get serious anger, and then serious, like, okay, ladies, ladies, okay. Your man, you have a man, he's good looking, he makes good money, and he's going to be the father of your children, okay? And... And, and you go, he's strong, but you have power too. <laughs> Ladies, you have a very, very serious power. 
if you ever get into a relationship with a man like this, and then you cheat on him, and I'm not even talking about getting pregnant, you cheat on him, you know what, you, you don't, he doesn't just go, B word, <laughs> and then go, I'll just move on with my life, get rid of you, and we'll get, move on with my life. And go, it's off, the wedding's off, and I'll just move on. That's not what happens. Um, if he loved you, what will happen is you will rip his heart into like tiny little pieces. <laughs> I've seen this happen. I know men where they have a woman that they deeply, deeply love, and she cheats on him. And you know what happens? He tells bitter women, anti-women jokes for like the next five years. <laughs> like he hates women. He doesn't just hate her. He hates women for like the next several years. That's what happens. Um, I, I know a, a brother in the Lord who, um, whatever he heard, he watched a movie. His girlfriend, whom he wanted to marry, he hadn't proposed to her, cheated on him. <laughs> and then there's a movie that came out, and in the middle of the movie was a, about a woman. He didn't know it was about a woman <laughs> that's going to cheat on, his, um, on her lover, and then when he saw that portion of the movie, he literally had to leave the theater <laughs> because he wanted to puke. This happens. That's what's happening in the story. You get it? And that's 21st century America. In, in, um, in this culture, in ancient Israel, the stakes are even higher. Because in America, it's like, I love you, and you love me, and I will repose to you, and we'll, it's like, it's between me and you. It's like this private deal between us, and then we're going to go out and get married. That's what people think. But, and then you, 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 you gather your, a few of your, your closest family and friends, and most of us would rather just have a, you know, just a tight wedding, 50 of the most special people, or 75 or 100 of the most special people, and that's it, right? But that's not how they did it back then. Back then, engagement is, is a much more serious business. It's not just between a guy and a girl. It's between a family to a family. Um, one family says our son is going to be a good husband and a father to your grandson. It's, it's not in, in, entirely arranged, but it's kind of kind of arranged. And then... When there's a marriage, those two families come together, and it's not like there's a ceremony, and then we're going to have a three-hour, four-hour party that costs thousands of dollars. That's kind of how we do it. It's, it's a party over several days. It's like party, let's go to sleep, we'll wake up and party some more, <laughs> sleep, and then we'll dance and drink some more. And everybody comes. It's not like 50 of their closest people Everybody in the family, all their cousins, all their aunts, all their friends, everybody from the synagogue, everybody from the synagogue in that town and that next, they all show up for days. And so now this guy, Joseph, is going to go to his wedding. They're going to walk down the aisle. His bride is going to walk down the aisle, and she's going to look like this. <laughs> she's going to walk down the aisle like this. And then people are going to be like, that's not good. Whoa. <laughs> Did they kind of do it before? You know, you're not supposed to do it. They're like, no. 
So then that means she, oh. <laughs> She's that word that rhymes with which, you know that? That's like now, it's not just in his mind. Everybody at the wedding is thinking B word. <laughs> everybody at the wedding is thinking, everybody. Days of just total humiliation for the guy who's getting married. What a great day, isn't it? It's a great wedding day, isn't it? You think I'm kidding? You, th- you think I'm making this up? This is what he, this is what this guy is facing. So if he obeys this angel in his dream, you're supposed to stay with her. This is like he's thinking like, whoa, this is what I'm gonna, what's going to happen. So then your cousin comes up to you and goes, hey, what the heck? Hey, what happened there, man? <laughs> It's like, who did, who do you, whose baby you think that is? And then here's what you're going to say. You're going to say, well, um, well, she didn't cheat on anybody. She didn't cheat on me. <laughs> she, I, I, you know, how, how, how do you know? What do you mean she didn't cheat on you? What are you talking about? And he's like saying, uh, you, you, you kind of need to maybe go get another drink because we know how the birds and the bees work. <laughs> and if you didn't sleep with her, then whose baby is that? And you're going to say, well, I had a dream where an angel showed up and he told me that that baby is the Messiah. <laughs> That's that baby. And, you, and your cousin's going to look at you going like, dude, you're just a carpenter. You're, you're not even that good of a carpenter because you're poor. <laughs> and you're going to get to raise... I mean, she's a sweet girl. I mean, come on. Get real, dude. (laughs) That's what Joseph has to face. Okay? Am I making this up? This is the real story. There's nothing cute about this story. What Joseph faces is a life-wrecking. I mean, what he's facing. Don't be afraid. <laughs> what are you talking about? Joseph, don't be afraid. <laughs> <He's like, laughs> and he wakes up from the dream and he obeys. Wow. Okay, that's the intro to the message. Three parts. Part one Joseph, son of David. Joseph, son of David. Part two, God as creator versus God as father. God as creator versus God as father. And part three, sonship and the power of Emmanuel. Sonship and the power of Emmanuel. Um, you know, uh, last week I was like, I was telling you, like, Joseph is telling us a sermon about Joseph. And you all know, you know, literally, you probably know at least 10 Joes. Do you know, they're all named after one of two Joes. Before you know a friend named Joe, they're named after two really famous Joes. This one, Matthew chapter 1. But if you're an ancient Israelite, if you're Jewish in this time, and you... He goes, that guy's name is Joseph. And you're hearing this story. They know that when you hear that his name is Joseph, you immediately think of the other Joseph. (laughs) 
You immediately think of the other Joseph. You don't believe me. Um, in the verse, it says in, in verse 20, the angel comes to him, Joseph, and what does it call him? Son of David. That's who you are. That's his identity. Calls him, in America today, we tend to think, I'm me, nobody tells me who I am, I decide my own identity. <laughs> I'm going to go off to college, I'm going to get a great job, and then I'm going to conquer the world, become a billionaire, that would be my identity. Successful billionaire that the world worships. I don't know, I mean, that's kind of outlandish. I don't know what yours is. I will be some great research doctor that solves cancer. I don't know if, if you guys are particularly ambitious, okay? But... The angel tells me who he is. You're son of David. Um, take a look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is the way the New Testament begins. Okay, this is the way the New Testament begins. The book of the genealogy of Jesus the Christ. Christ is not his name, it's his title. Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. And what does it say? The son of David. And then what? The son of Abraham. The son of Abraham. Now, if you don't know your Bible, Joseph is the son of the great... I, I got this a little slightly wrong in the, in the first service when I was preaching to you. He's a great-grandson of Abraham. So let me just back you up in this. The other, other more famous... Well, he was the more famous at this point. Nowadays, this other Joseph is probably more famous. But up to this point, this Joe is a nobody. <laughs> and he's named after a very, very incredibly important Joe. And that Joe, um, his uh, great-grandfather is a guy named Abraham. God came to Abraham. The world worships all kinds of gods. The real God came to Abraham and said, from you, from your children, the guy had no kids, <laughs> had no kids. And his, he was old, his wife was old. From, from your wife, who's old and can't have babies, you, there will be a line, and there will be a son who redeemed the whole world. That's the promise. Wow. Okay? And then he has a son, miraculous son, Isaac. And then Isaac has two sons. So now we have the grandson, the grandchildren of Abraham. He has two sons. Uh, he has, Isaac has two sons, a guy named Esau, and then Jacob, okay? And Jacob then has 12 sons, and of those 12 sons, one of them is named Joe, <laughs> Joseph, right? Um, just a quick, quick, quick thing, Sam. Jacob, for those of you who don't know, he has another name. God changes his name. That name is Israel. And of those 12 sons, the very best son, hands down, the best son, that's Joe. <laughs> that's Joseph. Huh? And uh, so you have um, his father, by the way, his father, Jacob, is a total weasel. <laughs> He's a horrible, lying weasel. His older brother, older by five minutes because they were twins, okay? His older brother is not a prize either. He's an idiot. <laughs> so the grandsons of, 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 the, of, the, of the great Abraham, you have a moron, Esau, and a lying weasel, conniving, lying, just 
just, just, just a total weasel of a man named Jacob. God chose Jacob. <laughs> and I'll name my people after him. Now, Jacob, you know, he, he grows, he changes, and he stops being a weasel and starts to really learn how to be a son of Abraham, a son of promise. And of his 12 sons, you know, he's a weasel. <laughs> he's not the best father material. Now, if you're a wise father, you do not choose a favorite and let them all know <laughs> this guy's the best. All of you are second class. <laughs> This really weasel of a father, he did this. He had a favorite wife. Okay, okay you see, this isn't a good plan. He had, a, he had like a wife he really liked, the one that he didn't particularly like. The one that was better looking was the one he liked, by the way. So see, men have not changed much. Okay? <laughs> okay? And so the older son of the one that he liked that was a little better looking okay, is Joseph. That's his favorite. And um, Joseph had... Something happened in his life which was catastrophic. It's like this. See, Joseph, in Matthew chapter 1, is having an event in his life. The story is about a man who is having an event that happens in his life that could wreck his life, destroy him. You're supposed to immediately, I mean, we 21st century moderns don't know this, but all, I'm telling you, everybody who hears this story in this time would immediately know, oh, I know the story of the other Joseph. Something catastrophic happened in his life, which wrecked his life. So what happens is, the other 11, so for those of you who don't know the story, I'll just tell you, and we'll just quickly, let's wrap, you know, we'll go. The other 11 guys... I mean, they just loved him so much. They're, hey, little Joe, you know, we're just going to take care of you for the rest of your life, and you know, you get to hang, you know, play ball with us. That's not what they said. They're like, let's murder him. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> let's sell him. That's better because we'll have money. <laughs> money is better than just killing him. But what we'll do is we'll put like animal blood on his clothes and give it to our dad. <laughs> So we could destroy our dad. That was the plan. So they sold him off. You think that's kind of a bad thing to happen in your life? Catastrophic thing to happen in your life? That's what the other, that's pretty bad. Now I want you to think about this question. If this something, I mean, we're all fearful of bad things happening in our life which could wreck our life. Um, you know, cancer <laughs> to you, to your wife. How about to your kid? Okay, that, that, I think I could deal with cancer. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know about you. I'm kind of morbid. I think about these things regularly. Because <laughs> it's, it's a test. It's a test, touch test. Who am I? And can I handle it? So either maybe it's my fault and I wrecked my life, or maybe it's not my fault and something happens in my life. But um, I, I think about this. I, I, I think I could come back if I had cancer. I mean, like, I mean, you know, maybe I'll die, but I'm, I'm not going to die in who I am. Right? I know I could die with courage. Okay? May, if it happens to my wife, okay, that's, okay, that's even hard. That's tougher. <laughs> I think that would be harder on me. If it happened to one of my kids, 
I, I, I think I'd probably go into the F word to God. <laughs> and I'd probably, I don't know if I can make it as a pastor if this happened to me, my, one of my kids. But Joseph, what happened to him is worse. <laughs> and how did he handle it? How did he handle it? He's like saying, my life is over. God. So think about this. He didn't grow up in some big church, in some culture where everybody believes in God. He grew up in a family. There's one family that believes in this God. That's it. We're some weird special family. My great-grandfather has a strange promise. My father, who was a pretty bad father, has this promise. Somehow out of our family, the redeemer of the world is going to happen. That's kind of cool, but that sounds like it's also pretty crazy. And now my life is over. Who cares? I think in 21st century America, that's the usual reaction. I heard about this God when I grew up in church, but now my life is messed up. <laughs> but that's not how I handle it. If you also read this story, you're like, okay, I think you're just making a lot out of this pastor, Joseph, Joseph, just because they have the same name. No, no, no. This Joseph... He gets a word from God through a dream. The Joseph in Genesis, he knows and follows God through dream. <laughs> and he has this power. He has a special gift. And through that gift, God just blesses him. So he ends up sold to this guy who is high in the hierarchy of the ruler of the most powerful, of the superpower of the time is Egypt. The top, top guy, he's like the president and the king and the emperor because they don't think he's a king. They don't think he's a president. They think he's a god. <laughs> That's Pharaoh. And then this guy is ranks pretty high up there. His name is Potiphar. He gets to be a slave in Potiphar's house. He's, a, he's such a good employee, which is really a slave, that he makes Potiphar rich. And then, but Potiphar also has a wife who we could really say is is, is, is rightly described with the B word, okay? She, because apparently Joseph in Genesis is really good looking. And she goes, hey, have sex with me. Now, think about this. Your life is wrecked. As far as you know, who the heck is God? <laughs> I'm in this ridiculous, like my ridiculous family who believes in some God who has some special promise to my great-grandfather that my father, who was no prize, believes. And all my brothers are total jerkwads. In fact, they're evil. <laughs> and now I'm in a land of really powerful people, and this is my choice. My choice is have sex with this woman, and hopefully I'll try to hide it so that my boss doesn't find out, and I'll get to stay as the top employee in a rich person's house and I'll find some way to stash away some money and then like, you know, make my life good. That's his option. That's one option. Or option number two, know that before his God from his family, this is wicked. No way. And that's what he chooses. He runs out of there. She grabs his clothes. 
Before he, I mean, he just runs out of there and he, she grabs his clothes and she frames him for rape or attempted rape anyway. And Potiphar, of course, you know, I mean, of course you're going to, why would you, you, of course you're going to believe your wife over, even though your wife is wicked evil, you believe your wife over your employee and he goes to prison. Okay, so if his life wasn't wrecked the first time, now his life is awful. He's sitting in the bottom of a horrible prison with nobody. But it's not true. It's not with nobody. He has God. And then God works through, again through dreams, and then out of that he comes out of prison, and then he ends up climbing up. Into, so the story, you guys, if you know the story, most of you do, he climbs up, and he becomes a number two guy in all of the most powerful nation of the world, and he literally saves millions of people from famine, including his own family. And that's the pathway. That somewhere later on, he shows that of the 12 sons of Israel, there's only one who is really a true son of Israel, and that's Joseph. And this Joseph, this Joseph is like that Joseph. And when he has catastrophe, something that could destroy his life, does he just go, God, God stuff? Instead, he can actually handle it. He can handle it. Defeat fear. Defeat catastrophe with faith. Hmm. Now let's go to part two. Part two. God as creator versus God as father. I want to talk a little bit about what I've seen in, in our society today. In, in our society today, I have met, I've met him in this church I met him in the, when I was on the East Coast. I, 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 I mean, you know, I, I know I, I look so young and good looking, <laughs> but I'm kind of old, <laughs> right? And I've, I've been a pastor for a long time. I mean, um, I was thinking about this. I, 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 I was raised up into ministry when I was 23, <laughs> okay? They called me, because that's what they call you in the Korean church when you raise them, when I'm 23, and so I'm 46. It's a long time doing ministry. I was ordained when I was 27. And I met a lot of young people. Some of them are not so young now, but who grew up in the church. And they're supposed to believe in Jesus. But really, they believe in themselves. <laughs> they believe in Jesus with their lips, but in their life, they believe in them, me. <laughs> they, their identity is, well, I make my, my I make my life on my own. So, so they in the church they're told their identity is to be a son of God or a daughter of God. But actually, they think I'm going to go construct my own glory and make my own money and my own success, and that'll be my identity. That's what people think. That is like the default. Again and again, I've met Christians, of course, outside of the church. That's absolutely what people think. But inside the church, that's not what we're supposed to be thinking, but inside the church, again and again, I've met people who are supposed to know their identity, and if you're saying, hey, you are a son of David. You are a daughter of Abraham. You are supposed to have a relationship with God that's special. Because Abraham doesn't just look at God and call him God. You know what? He has a covenantal special relationship 
God. And so, if you only look at God as God, I've met so many people who look at God as God. Okay, who is God? God is the big man in the sky who's really, really powerful. And most of these so-called Christians that I meet, they don't ever pray to God. I mean, they, they have like these kind of prayers. Uh, God, thanks for this food. Okay, amen. Let's eat. Sometimes they do those prayers, and then they don't really have much other prayers. Until catastrophe. <laughs> or until the threat of catastrophe. Something bad happens. And then, oh, oh God, it's now God, I need you. Okay, I know I haven't been there very much, but God, I need you. And really, all we think about is God. God, the one, snap your fingers, omnipotent one. Fix this, please. Can you fix this? And then when he doesn't quite fix it the way we want, then it is, there's no God. Or, just BS, all that stuff that people, and then, we feel very, they, they, they feel very justified. Who needs to go to church? <laughs> or just those people go to church, yeah, 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 they believe in that God stuff. It's a real pleasant message for Christmas, isn't it? Merry Christmas. <laughs> All those people who think they're going to go through life, they're going to have a relationship with God that's about this this, this thick. It's super duper thin. You do have a relationship with God, but the relationship you have is that he's just the creator. You know what that means? He made you, and now he's going to judge you. Um, and then we get somehow upset if, like, my wife got cancer, or, like, I worked really hard in college, and then I was making really good money, and we were super stressed out because we have to pay a, an insane a mortgage in this really expensive town and compete with rich Indians and Chinese people because, like, they, they're going to drive up the price. And then, and then because we're, I'm stressed out all the time, and then my wife is stressed out, our marriage is kind of not doing very good. And then somehow I'm just really angry that somehow she got breast cancer. What the heck is God? We think that we're like in control of life. And if I work hard and do all my thing, then somehow God owes me a good life. And then when he doesn't do his part, what kind of God is that? But let me say something to you. If God is creator, and then we don't actually follow what he wants as creator, then he's also judge. And then when he judges, then... And then he says, that could be cancer, and you can get it. Why do we think that somehow we're supposed to have some kind of like special shield over all the curse and brokenness of life? <laughs> when every single one of us, if we are really honest, know, I deserve cancer. <laughs> There's nothing special about my life where I don't deserve cancer. We all know somebody who's better than you. <laughs> I know people are better than me. And their kid is paralyzed. <laughs> or they lost their job. Or, or somehow, like, just 
They, the woman they thought that they were marrying was so great, she cheats on him because, you know, he spent way too much time at work and she got really, really lonely. This ain't a theory. And then somehow we shake our fist at God because he's supposed to snap his finger and fix life. But that's, you just don't know God that way. And actually, if God is the only one that you just kind of like, it's like, you know, crack glass, open in case of emergency, and God, like, pops up and fix, uh, fixes everything, you just don't know him at all. Actually, you just don't know him at all. And actually, insofar as our culture treats God like that, that's exactly why we are damnable. Why the whole world and our lives are cursed. Actually, we take our blessings, and we make them cursed when there's no God. But actually, you have to have a different relationship. You have to have a God who is now your father. <laughs> and if God isn't just some distant person up there, break class in case of emergency, but actually you have a different relationship to him, he is your father. <laughs> and you know what it's like to be a son or a daughter. It's a very different relationship. You know that something can happen into your life. In fact, something will happen into your life. It's not something can happen to your life. Something will happen to your life. That's really, really hard. It's very, very fearful. But you're not alone because there is this promise. I will be with you. Emmanuel. Son of David. There's a promise of Emmanuel. And if you have that, now you have some resource. See, if you don't have that, here's all you got. However hard you work, however smart you are, and then luck. <laughs> That's what you got. However smart you are, however good looking you are, and then, like, maybe these are the favors of some, like, some people around you, your boss or something like that. And then you just need some, and then you need massive luck. It's not a good plan. But if you can face catastrophe, and you have a father <laughs> who will never leave you, you have a lot more than luck. And if you believe that, then when, he comes into your life and has a calling, and it seems hard and even really bad. You've got some serious, serious resources. Um, I want to close my message. You know, I'm really preaching out of three verses, Matthew 1, 1, 120, and verse 23. This is the word. Behold. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. See, Joseph, he, he, he didn't think that was just some, like some random, for some random message. That's coming from someplace. Now, if I got this message from an angel in a dream, my dreams are gibberish. <laughs> I don't know what your dreams are like. My dreams are sort of like this, like I'm having a conversation with my wife, and then like, you know, two minutes later in the dream, I'm like flying around like a duck or something, okay? <laughs> That's what my dreams are like. And then I wake up and go, that was ridiculous, and then I completely forgotten by, by, by breakfast. 
That's kind of what, like, you know, by the time I'm drinking coffee, I don't even remember what the heck happened in the dream. So I don't, you know, like, if God spoke to me in a dream, I would miss it. <laughs> or I wouldn't believe it. But if there was a word, and that word was this word, I would go, I, I would sit up. You know why? Because this is from the Bible. <laughs> this is Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. You and I don't need a dream. You know what we need? We need a word. And there is a word that there'll be a son. And he'll be with us in a way far better even than the way God was with Joseph and Joseph, even deeper. Now, I want to say a little something about this. If you believe in Jesus, and even if you don't believe in Jesus, you know that, okay, if you don't believe in Jesus, you know he's supposed to be the son of God. Jesus, the one who's born here of this virgin, is the son of God. But I want to tell you something. So most of us, when you think about Jesus, he's just like, son of God. He's just like, boom. You can just, dead, wake up. Boom. I'm son of God. <laughs> and like, he's just, just holy. He just, just, but just think about this. This, he was born. There was a time when Jesus was four years old. When he was four years old, is he like this? Hey. I'm Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to get straight A's. <laughs> I'm, omnip I'm omniscient. Don't worry. I already know. What I, I, I can read the, read the teacher's mind. <laughs> I mean, is this, is, that, is this the way he was? He's a human being. If you only think about Jesus, son of God, you don't really fully know the full Jesus. He's the son of Joseph. <laughs> He's a, a human being. And Every four-year-old boy has to learn how to be a man. He has to learn how to be a son. You think Joseph just one day just knew how to be a son of Abraham, a son of David? You know, the first Joseph, he just knew how to be a, the son of Abraham, the son of Israel. And then, and then, I mean, the evidence is his other 11 brothers sure as heck don't know. And then this Joseph just knew how to be a son of David. Do you think he just knew that? And you think Jesus is just, Jesus was going to learn how to be a son of Joseph, a son of David, a son of Abraham, and thus show us this is what the Son of God is like. The Son of God put himself into a learning place. And just think about that. And how is he going to learn this, how to be a son? He's going to look at Joseph. And there's going to be something that's going to happen into Jesus' life that's going to wreck his life. The cursedness of the world is going to break into his life. In fact, all the curse of all the world is going to come on top of him. And it is worse than cancer or divorce or losing your job to some overseas industry, and it is worse than your brothers selling you off into slavery, or your boss's wife accusing you of rape. It is all of that combined together. That's what happened to this son. And he took on his real identity, and he took on real sonship, and he knew the Father is with me. 
And he took on the most terrible thing. And he knew that in that cursedness, there could be something wonderful and blessed. And he did it so that God wouldn't just be with him, but that God would be Emmanuel to you and for me forever. Um, I'm close this message. This, this, that was, all this week long as I've been chewing on this sermon, literally for two weeks I've been chewing on the sermon. I've been, the, the, there's a, a song that keeps coming. It, it, it's one of our brother's favorites. <laughs> David Crowder, right? Our brother likes David Crowder so much. Our, our very fine praise leader. <laughs> so thank you for, for this song. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the line that kept going through my head, a cross meant to kill is my victory. Not just Jesus' victory, but my victory. This son came in the world to be the most important son of David and Abraham. So he could take us, and instead of just looking at God and saying, you're God, we could become sons and daughters through him and take that thing which looks like a catastrophe, the cross, and turn it into my victory. And thus, all of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will give us the heart of Joseph, the heart of sonship. And we can go into the world And things that can look like they could kill us, we could say, through the very most important son of Abraham, of David, of Joseph, I can have the heart of Joseph. And this thing that was meant to kill, just like the cross, because this was like my cross. It's not as bad as Jesus' cross. This is the meant to kill. A cross can come into your life, and you can say, what was meant to kill through this son, the heart of Joseph, is my victory. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, forgive us. Our faith in you is so thin. In our brains, we have this idea that we believe in you through Jesus, and then on Monday... We abuse you and try to use you like God, a useful, omnipotent lackey in my life to fix things. But instead, we're actually supposed to call you Dad. (laughs) And we have you. We have Jesus' heart. We have the heart of Joseph. And we have your spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Emmanuel with us forever and ever. Not the devil, not death, not even our own guilt and shame, not the accusations of the world, not cancer, not recessions, not bad turns in our life. No matter what cross comes into our life, Lord, because of Emmanuel, through the most important son of David, the son of Joseph, the heart of Joseph can come to us 
and it could be our victory. I pray that we would all learn to receive this gift. This is the greatest gift of Christmas. Emmanuel, heart of sonship, to be true daughters. Not to call God, God, but to call you Father. We thank you for this most precious gift of Christmas. Help us by your grace, by your spirit, to receive this gift and to walk with courage and power without fear when the crosses threaten our lives to wreck it and to walk with the heart of Joseph, the heart of sonship, through Jesus, Emmanuel, forever. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's praise.